Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Can we welcome everybody watching online at our plaza location as we're linking live with the plaza. Come on, let's give it up for our church family. One big family. How about those in Lansing Correctional Facility that watch every single weekend? Online Plaza, Lansing Correctional, we love you all very, very much. Everybody doing good? Good, man. It is a Resurrection Week on the horizon. Easter week right around the corner. We call that Holy Week. It's special. You're going to live in Holy Week. Doesn't mean you got to be perfect. We know you won't be. I think you can clean up some things in your life. Nothing wrong with that. God always calls us to more and more becoming like Jesus. But Holy Week doesn't mean, hey, I'm just going to, you know, not swear as much this week. It's a dang, dang good idea. Um, it really means set apart for God purpose. You've been set apart for a God purpose. Something God's called you to fulfill, people God's called you to reach. So as we move into a week that celebrates celebration of resurrection, it's also an opportunity for the invitation for salvation. Amen. We're going to believe for a lot of people to come back home to Jesus, a lot of people to get connected with the church family. It's good to be connected with you. I know I'm wearing white past Labor Day, um, but I'm just trying to become like Jesus, radiant in glory. Plus, Liz is gone. I think she's watching right now. She's preaching uh, in the Washington, D.C. area. I mean, uh, Washington, D.C. needs a lot of Jesus, so we sent Liz our best. And um, so it's like the one time of the year I pick my own clothes. So if you don't like it, <laughs> tell her to not leave. Hey, you guys can grab a seat. Plaza, you can grab a seat. Oh, man. Holy week, sacred, set apart for God, something he wants to complete. And uh, I believe he's going to do something awesome. We're really excited. We've added a, two extra opportunities to worship. Uh, I believe there's some people in your world that need to come along with you. And uh, this is a time when people will say yes. Uh, they have this religious kind of obligation that they should be in church on Easter. Um, I think also you could share the live experience for those that are still online. Uh, that's the least I think you could do to get people engaged. But little do they know, they might come to check a religious box, but God's going to check their heart. I believe there's a relationship with Jesus for them on the horizon. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. We're going to jump into the Word. Hey, I just want to warn you. I'm going to challenge you today. Is that all right? Permission granted? Okay. Uh, just so the plaza knows, online knows, three people said yes. That's, that's all I need. Uh, I was going to do it anyway. But um, I think it's a healthy message and just a reminder uh, that we don't go to church. We are the church. Uh, we don't just come and sit down on a Sunday no, our Monday through Saturday into Sunday is made for world engagement and world change. And there are people in your world God wants to change. He wants to use you to do it. Amen. Can we pray? Lord, we love you. We thank you for this lovely, amazing day, this beautiful, incredible church. As we're all synced up together, uh, we don't want to just be in the room or, or watching. Uh, we want you to be meeting with us. So here we are, God. You could speak to us. We give you an open door to our heart, to our mind, to our spirit. Speak to us like only you can. Let us not let this week go by without remembering the great price that was paid for us. Let it bring a smile to our face 
because it's a reminder of how much we matter to you. And in the same way, let us in turn to the world around us, engage with them, love them, serve them, invite them so they could experience this grace, this joy, this peace with God that we live from. We love you, Lord, so very much. And I'm excited to be at church. 11 a.m. says amen. Amen and amen. You know, we live in such a polarized world. You either all in for something or you're anti that thing. If you're pro this, then you're anti that. I think that bleeds into the church. Sometimes we're known all the things that we're against instead of all the things that we're for. Uh, I think Easter is a great week to be reminded like, hey, God is so for the world that he's willing to give the most, sacrifice the most, go to such great lengths to show his love ahead of time because while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Now, I personally believe in a world, particularly when it comes to politics, uh, we need a little more moderation. How many know we need some more people in the middle? We could use a little more diplomacy uh, instead of polarization or extremes I think sometimes it's okay to be in the political middle. And that's the end of the political message here. I'm going to get into the actual message here. But when you have a position of neutrality on some things, uh, it means you're kind of, uh, you're, you're not really maybe willing to make up your mind. When it comes to Jesus, you cannot have a position neutral. He does not give us the option. He doesn't give us the option. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus, in his own words, says, I'm either Lord over everything or I'm nothing at all. Jesus is a great teacher, but teaching isn't his only thing. His words can encourage and inspire you, but he's not a motivational speaker. He can give you some right ways to live, but he's not a life coach. Jesus uh, has a great worldview, but he's not a philosopher. Jesus can heal, but he's not a doctor. No, he's a king. He's a king. And he's the king over absolutely everything. He's the king of kings. He's the king of all. And I wonder if there isn't some places and spaces in all of our hearts and souls that we haven't surrendered over to our king. So my goal today in this message, wherever you might be watching from, is to call you out of comfortable Christianity. Definitely call you out of conformity to the world around you, living down to the cultural norms and the status quo of this world. But I really am excited and passionate about seeing you say for yourself and show to the world around you that you are all in for Jesus. What does it mean to be all in for Jesus? I don't think it means having to wear a Christian t-shirt. I don't mean it means you have to have a Christian sticker on your car, especially if you drive like me. Do not put a Hillsong sticker on the back of your car. But I believe it means that every single one of us will take a step closer and more into a life fully devoted to following our King in every area and sphere of your life. I want to speak today from the title, No Middle Ground. No Middle Ground. Because the truth is, being a Christian, being a believer, 
doesn't mean you just show up to church on Sunday. And by the way, a guy that preached for several months to just a camera, I'm really glad for the people that show up on Sunday. Y'all my favorites. Y'all the real ones. No, but it means living for him every day and in every way. What's that one area, maybe it's two, where you have not surrendered over to Jesus first? What's that area of insecurity? What's that area where it's a challenge, it's a friction? And I want to encourage you on the other end of stepping into that place where you used to be uncertain. You can be certain of this. The best life that God has for you is fully devoted, fully surrendered to all that he is. There is no middle ground. You know, if you want to know who your best friends are, you move. I'm not talking about out of state to see who you stay in touch with. You like move to a different apartment. You'll find out who your best friends are really quickly because they are the people that help you move. What you should do if you want to test this out, if you had a move coming up, give two weeks notice, send out a text message. Because if you get just one week notice, that's a lot of, there's easy outs there. But two weeks, very few people have plans out two weeks. And you say, hey, I'm moving 8 a.m. at my place. And the real ones, the rider dies, you're just going to get back an emoji thumb. Because these, it's like you, 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 your, your groomsmen might not show up, your bridesmaids might not show up, but your real friends will show up when it's time to move. These sacrificial servants will give you five hours of their day off for nothing more than the promise of what will probably be cold pizza by the end of it. <laughs> These are the real, they will be the people that will move that sleeper sofa with you. And by the way, just a little, just a little thought. If you have Ikea furniture, as cool and Scandinavian as it looks, just don't move it. It will not survive the move. Just burn it now in your existing habitat. You find who your down friends are when it's time to move. Now, I believe this. God wants to move in our city. God wants to move in our nation. God wants to move in your sphere of influence. God wants to move in your workplace. God wants so desperately to move and touch the hearts of humanity that are all around us. And he's not looking for people to just be fans of his. He's looking for real followers and real followers want to go where God wants to go and are willing to move and do what God asks them to do. He's calling us all in to follow him. There is no middle ground when it comes to living for Jesus. I, I think he meets us incrementally. He just takes us on the next step. I mean, even Jesus' life showed this. People would say, hey, come and see Jesus. And then Jesus would say to those that became the disciples, come and follow me. But eventually he leads them to a place of all in that says, hey, if you really want a life, the life I have for you, you lay down your life for others. So it comes from come and see to, to really live means you live sacrificially. Come and see to come and, and die. Jesus raises the bar. There isn't a middle ground. He meets you right where you're at, but he takes you on a journey of incremental sacrifice, which always leads you to the life of significance that he created you for. Even in Luke chapter 12, Jesus says, hey, I am the Prince of Peace, but I actually come to divide. I'm in the dividing line. And more than our historical calendar, he's the dividing line in this thing we call eternity. And this is why it is so significant that we don't just get comfortable in our faith for ourselves. 
No, but we grow ourselves and we leverage ourselves so that God could do everything he wants to do. Because Jesus doesn't allow us the luxury of just spectating at a distance. I want to preach through a few passages, all from Holy Week, the week leading up to Jesus' sacrifice on that Good Friday cross of Calvary. And I think there's some things you're going to learn from about who Jesus is and then what he's asking of you. You all along for the journey? We can handle a big boy, big girl message today. You sure? Okay. I'll try to be funny in sporadic moments to lighten the mood. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. To Jerusalem, he's going to celebrate Passover. He actually is going to be the Passover lamb for all of us. Verse 29, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And there were two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. But the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But I like these two blind guys. They shouted all the louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called to them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Like, duh, that's what they were wanting. And it says, verse 34, Jesus had compassion on them. He touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. And if you're just reading this on the surface level, you'll think that verse 31 is kind of harsh. Here we are, we got two blind guys, Jesus is walking by. And we all know that they'd at least heard the stories Uh, uh, Maybe many of the people, even in the crowd, had seen the miracles that Jesus is a healer. And here we have two guys that so desperately need their eyesight, their vision back, they're crying out. But they get rebuked and told to be quiet. And here's why. It's because the name that they call out to Jesus with is actually something in itself is a dividing line. It's actually in itself no middle ground. They say Jesus, son of David, Messiah, Lord, son of David. And to give you some context of that, for them to call Jesus son of David was for them to call Jesus king. Not just any king, but the rightful ruler of Israel, potentially even saying he's the Messiah. He's the one and only one who can save all of us. And so they tried to get him to to shush up for a moment, to be quiet. And yet Jesus then turns and says, like, what can I do for you, fam? Uh, You rang? I'm listening. And by Jesus acknowledging that moniker that they declared over him is Jesus saying, you got it right. I am the king over everything. And this is why the crowd probably gasped, because Jesus just acknowledged he's that one everybody needs. Says, I am the king. Now, the disciples and some of the followers of Jesus would probably be excited about this. They'd probably be giddy about this because they'd seen the power and they've heard the teaching with authority. They knew there's something was special about their teacher, their rabbi. And they actually wanted Jesus to make that claim. Remember, the disciples are talking about, hey, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, hey, Jesus, when you take over, hey, Jesus, when you kick out the Roman rulers, can we be positioned in places of power and prominence with you. They were pretty excited because this was the opportunity. They thought that Jesus was going to start a coup and kick out the Roman authorities. 
But Jesus never acknowledged, I'm the son of God or I'm the, the rightful king of Israel to any large groups. This is the first time he goes public with his mission and really who he is as a man, the man of God, to be the rightful ruler of the world. Because even when the demons would say, son of David, Jesus was like, shut your mouth when you're talking to me. He hushed them up because it wasn't his time to go public with his purpose. And this is a problem because in the sticks of Galilee, where Jesus is from, the claim to be the Messiah or the rightful king might get you a few followers. But in Jerusalem, this will get you killed. This is a dividing line. There is no more middle ground. In fact, this is what gets Jesus sent to the cross is that he says, I'm the divine rightful ruler of the world. So the minds of Jesus's followers like this is go time. We are going to take up arms. We're going to get all the power. We're going to get all the authority and we're going to kick out the enemy. What nobody saw coming is that Jesus's plan to rule meant that he was going to die because he didn't just want Jerusalem back. He wanted every heart of every son and daughter of God to be able to receive back in the beautiful gift of relationship with the perfect God. Jesus didn't want the Jewish throne. He was coming for the whole earth as his footstool. He had bigger plans in store. But this is the part, as I read through the Bible, that challenges me so much. Because here we have people that were looking for this Messiah. They had all the declarations of the prophets, all the pages of that Old Testament declarations of who he was, what it was going to look like, and what he was going to do. They, they, they kind of knew what they were looking for, and yet they still missed Jesus. I mean, even Jesus goes outside of Jerusalem and weeps over the people because he said, you had the opportunity to receive peace into your life, and you missed the moment. They, and if they missed it, I wonder how many times we miss it. I wonder how many times, because we've not just grown up uh, in this New Testament reality, we've grown up with like beautiful Bibles. We've grown up with a church on every corner, a church online for every single one. Following Jesus has never been more convenient in our American world. I mean, I got a real nice Bible. I'm gonna brag on my Bible for a minute because I bought it for myself for Christmas. I had the same Bible for 10 years, all marked up. I wanted a new one. I mean, it is clean, pristine. It is goat skin leather. I don't need no leatherette. I need some real leather up in here. We have all these comforts and conveniences. It's a cultural thing. And yet, where are we living in the middle ground? Where are we missing the whole point and purpose of life? Because there's more in this kingdom of Jesus, this kingdom of God, than just a relationship for yourself. That's where it begins, but that cannot be where it ends. Where are you missing it? By choosing middle ground, by choosing conformity, by choosing to live down to the cultural accepted ways of the world around you. There's more for you. And the more of God will never be found in the middle ground. In Matthew 21, it's the day we're celebrating today. It's Palm Sunday. It's the triumphal entry of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. It says, as they approached, Matthew 21, verse 1, Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples ahead, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with a colt by her. 
untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you like, yo, why are you stealing my stuff? Say that the Lord needs them, which is like the ultimate Jedi mind trick. The Lord needs these. And somehow it works and he will send them right away. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did this as Jesus instructed them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground and while others cut down branches from trees, spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And they asked, who is this? The crowd answered, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. I believe with all of the separation, the anxiety, the animosity, the injustice, all the problems in our world, God is setting up our church, this city, our nation, this world for an incredible move of God. Look back historically, even in the last hundred years, anytime there's been a major crisis or there's been chaos, there's been uh, people at arms with each other, there's been world wars, the, the season for immediately after a, a, a time of division comes a huge resurrection of salvation and changed lives. I believe this is why we got to get out of the middle ground and get on to the road God's called us. Have a right declaration of who Jesus is and get a right viewpoint. Because this is what you need to understand about Jesus. Jesus is he's confrontational. Jesus is confrontational. I know he, we have pictures of him on our wall. In fact, I have one of my wall of Jesus, like peaceful Jesus, just kind of chilling there, staring out into the serene sky of Jerusalem. There's a little lamb by his side. And there is that part of Jesus that kids wanted to be around Jesus. You know, he was loving, you know, he was fun because kids don't want to be around somebody who's a grump. Like Jesus was engaging. Jesus was loving. Jesus was caring, but Jesus draws people to a decision. In fact, Jesus is very confrontational. His life requires a response. And a surrendered life to Jesus cannot just live business as usual. I think some confrontation is great. I think people that love confrontation are not so great. We all have that person in our life that just seems to always be the agitator. But I think confrontation is actually great when it's tempered in humility. And this is what we see with Jesus. It says that your king comes to you gentle. Because in Jesus there's humility and yet there's still confidence. He's gentle, but he's also radical. In fact, in Matthew 21, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all those who were trying to buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And says, hey, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. Jesus swatted them out and like Matumbo waved his finger and said, not in my house. And he healed them. Sorry, making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and then he healed them. And this is what I love. Jesus turns over the tables, confrontational, but then he heals immediately after, relational. Jesus is willing to upset the status quo, but he's always stepping in to serve people in their lowest of places. Jesus isn't just confrontational for confrontational reasons. Jesus confronts falsehood, but then brings loving, caring truth. In Jesus, there's confrontation, and then there's liberation. 
He never challenges something to be right. He challenges the system so he can make it right. And we've got a world filled of believers that want so desperately for their voice to be heard. And we've been known for all the things that we're against. And yes, there's a time to speak out against things that are wrong, but always with the mindset that we're going to bring restoration and healing on the back end of that declaration. (laughs) Jesus is confrontational, but he is caring. It's worth noting that Jesus is in control of this whole thing. He actually arranges that triumphal entry, that Palm Sunday. He sends them to go get the colt. Now, he didn't make the crowd show up, but he decided on purpose how he would enter into this Holy Week, into this Passover week, into the week that he would pay the ultimate price. And just maybe Jesus needs some new PR because if you're coming on like that red carpet, uh, Jesus doesn't enter in in the swaggiest of ways. He chooses on purpose a donkey. A king would normally come in on a war horse, but Jesus chooses a donkey, and here's what you need to understand. Servants ride donkeys. Yes, he's coming in to be king. He's confrontational, but he's caring, and he always has a heart for the hurting and to help people. The king has come to us, what, gently. I think you need to understand and know middle ground that Jesus in himself is a contradiction. That Jesus has called us to a life that has a paradox to it. That the more power you have, the more you should be thinking about other people. The more influence you gain, the more you should be leveraging that, not for yourself, for the hurting and those that are struggling in humanity. The more authority that's on your life, the more submission that you have to the will of God. I, I believe this. Jesus has all the power, but he doesn't posture it. He takes the posture of a servant. I think if you want to have a successful life, and you should, then it needs to be a surrendered life. And a surrendered life will always be a serving life. This is what Jesus calls us to. He's confrontational, and Jesus is also a contradiction. I mean, he's in charge of everything, and yet he dies on the cross. He can heal others, save others, but he doesn't even save himself. So what does that speak to us? That we use our life and leverage our life not for our life. We don't make everything about us, but we make all the things that we have on us, with us, and going for us, we actually use those to help people that do not have that, aren't connected, and we care for those that are around us. We do things differently. Our success is never for status. It is always for service. We're saved for service. We're blessed to sacrifice. We're being healed, restored, and redeemed. Why? So that others could be made whole and be made whole and redeemed as well. We just think differently about the things that the world clamors for. Even if we have those things, we don't think highly of those things because why? Our very king came in gently as a servant. Back to Holy Week in Luke 22, this Passover dinner. Passover dinner, and as usual, the disciples are never missing an opportunity to be prideful and to argue amongst themselves. A dispute also rose among them to which, who, who would be considered to be the greatest? Like, who's the greatest disciple? Who's the greatest leader? Who, 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 who's got the most followers on Instagram in the disciple gang? And Jesus said to them, the king of the Gentiles lorded over them. In other words, that's the way the world works. They're, 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 they're trying to be in power, and they're hungry for more power, and it's all about them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. In other words, they're the ones that reap the benefits. But you are not to be like that. 
Instead, the greatest among you should be like the least. And the one who rules is like the one who serves. We have a city to change. We have lives that need to be transformed, set free. We have people far from God, and they are just one loving conversation, one God encounter from an eternal change in their heart and their soul. So if we want to change the city, how do we do it? We serve people. Hey, I love growing what you got. Grow your family, grow your business, even grow your status, grow your platform, grow your resources, and then leverage it sacrificially for the mission of Jesus, because this is what matters the most. You know, every other religion, you're saved through strength, willpower, how good you can do it. In Christianity, we're saved from a strength that was made weak for us. And so our response is never to draw attention to ourselves. No, it's to put the attention on the one who laid it all down for us so that we could be in this relationship. There's no middle ground. God's called you to something greater. Final thought is this. This is the most important thing I want to get across today. Jesus is, listen, he is coming again. Uh, We don't talk a lot about end times. Uh, I know that some people really, really love that. And they normally tend to be the weirdest people in church. But we don't back down from the fact that this is what we believe that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died, perfect Jesus died for imperfect us. His sacrifices atoned for our sins that whosoever would believe in that moment of sacrifice and that great gift of God's grace can have a relationship with God forever. And forever will happen one day, either at the end of your life or the culmination of all things when Jesus returns. He is coming again. In fact, one of my favorite bumper stickers is Jesus is coming back. Look busy. <laughs> if you, don't let him catch you napping. If we're going to live this surrendered life, if we're going to live a significant life, we have to start every endeavor with the end goal in mind. Like even here at the North location, we had the egg extravaganza, which I hated the name. I told the team we'd already gone public, which I was like, really? That's the best we can do? There wasn't a more excellent name than egg extravaganza? And they said to me, hey, God, no, 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 people are going to search for that. That's something people are going to find uh, when, when they search for Easter events or family events. And it's going to pop up to the top of the search engine. They're smarter at that stuff than I am. And everything we did was about just opening the doors of our church. We did it intentionally in the church so they could just experience the feeling that we have the mantra about of welcome home. Now, there was... Jesus parts to it, but honestly, it was bunnies and eggs and candy and bouncers. I don't mean security guards, like kids bouncing on inflatable (laughs) objects. It was about fun. It was about family. Well, what about the cross? I get it. It's the most important thing of all of history. And yet, if they're not willing to walk into a church and see that they're loved, they're welcome, they're accepted... And we signed them up and registered them. Many people hadn't been in church in years. Many people never been to our church. Dozens and dozens and dozens of coming this next Saturday and Sunday. Because we do everything with the end goal in mind. We start every endeavor with the end goal in mind. Revelation 1 verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. Everything is about Jesus. So we think about that in everything that we do. There's a day coming when he's going to make everything right. In fact, that 
Palm Sunday, that triumphal entry, it is a foretaste, it's a foreshadow, it's a picture of the one great day that God cannot wait to experience. And all of us will be there that have called upon Jesus as their Savior. Revelation chapter 7, after this, John writes, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white. Hello, I'm ahead of the curve, fashion forward. They're wearing white robes. And they're holding palm branches in their hands. In other words, that's the day that matters the most. So we have to make every day matter. Every relationship significant. Guess what? You will not save anyone. That's Jesus' job. Through the work of the Holy Spirit on their heart. But we are called to invite, to engage, to love, to serve, to forgive, to encourage everyone. And yet in the middle ground, we've made our faith about ourselves. The Bible says, yes, build yourself up on this most holy faith. But the greatest way for you to be moving forward in your faith is to not make your faith about yourself. And it's definitely not to keep it as a secret. It's something that should be marked in your life, marked in your words. There should be a, a, a difference about you, not a perfection. None of us can live up to that. Jesus already has. But there's a difference in the way that we love and the way that we serve. We do not posture up on people. No, we bend down on the knee and serve people. There's no more middle ground. The invitation's on your seat. For those online, you can just share the link. It's so easy to engage with someone. But unless you do it, it might not happen. So what's the part for you to play this week? Who's God putting on your heart? Pray about it. Maybe take a day even fast about it. We've got make a prayer on Tuesday just to pray over people coming home. And I am praying over you to have a divine opportunities and moments for you to engage the people around you because this is what matters the most you know the pool i take my kids to in the summer um it's like cold it's like always cold and it's troubling to me because i'm trying to chill not be chilled you know what i'm saying it's july i don't i i don't want the polar bear plunge my kids leap in. They never hesitate. They know how fun it is in there, and they just go all in. But I'm kind of the linger on the edge kind of guy. But the longer I wait, and the more I like, tip my toe in it, the more hesitant I am to head back to the shade. I don't do the sun. It's a genetic thing. Don't judge me. <laughs> but once I get in, it's always refreshing. It's always fun. It's always fulfilling to be there with my kids. And I wonder how many of us, like we've been up to a place of obedience, up to a place of sacrifice, up to a place of invitation with someone, uh, uh, up to a point. And it's just a little intimidating. It feels a little awkward. And the longer we wait in that place, instead of going in, the easier it is to retreat back to the comforts of the known. And that's the crossing place. That's the sand in the line. That's the step in God's asking you to take to get out of the middle ground forever when it comes to building for the future and building for eternity. Jesus says, hey, if you crown me king over every area of life, you will never regret it. He challenges us to not play it safe, not live in self-protection, not live in the middle ground. We have a short, short life that goes by so quickly and you want to make sure that it matters for the long haul. 
and online and on the plaza and in this room, eternal decisions are made every single weekend. We have an opportunity to do something so significant. It's Holy Week, set apart for God to do something eternal. We're gonna pass the communion elements. Those online, you can go grab something real quick, but those on the plaza, you guys can begin to prepare that. I wanna share just a couple more things. We're gonna receive this holy moment of remembering Jesus together. We're gonna kick off Holy Week by doing what we should always do, make it all about Jesus in every area, and every facet of our life. Jesus died on Passover. It's a celebration, it's a festival of God's goodness to his people, delivering them out of the slavery of Egypt, and setting them on the course to have their own land, to have freedom, to have fulfillment, the promised place, to take them out of the old shackles and into the goodness of God and the freedom used Moses as a, as a messenger and showed up with great signs and wonders and power. And the final kind of act of these, what we call the plagues, that kind of broke the will of the enemy was the death of the firstborn. This is Passover night. And we know, because we have the whole scripture to look through, that what God did back then, he put upon himself at Jesus on the cross that he became that sacrificial lamb. See, in the Old Testament, in the Exodus story, they, 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 they killed a lamb, and they, they put the blood on the doorway like a cross. And, and then they ate of a meal. That, they, they, they cooked that whole thing, and they all ate it. In fact, Jesus said, or God said, um, hey, eat the whole lamb. In other words, don't just pick the parts that you want. It's just like some of us might pick the parts of Jesus that we want for ourselves. I said, no, you take the whole thing. He says, and if there's too much for your family, share with those that do not have. And there is so much more to Jesus. He is so good that you cannot keep him all to yourself. But it says, where I see the outside sign of someone who has received that sacrifice of the lamb, I'll pass over and there'll be freedom in that place. Our outside lives should be marked because of the inside decisions that we have made for Jesus. Would Plaza and North, would you stand to your feet? We're gonna receive this together. First Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul writes, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Is there something in me that needs to change? Is there something in me I need to give over to God? Is there a safe place I've been hiding into and yet God is calling me to surrender that place over to him? No one else can answer that for you. Your spouse can't. You have to answer that for yourself. It's a conversation you and God need to have and I'm actually challenging you to have it right now. Where is that middle ground you've been living in? Because there's nothing more miserable than living your whole life in the middle of a God opportunity and missing it completely. And yet now is your time and today is your day. And Jesus gives us the open door to engage in a life in his fullness, a life that you were called to. Would you hold up the bread? Maybe just take a few moments, wherever you're watching this from, those in the room, just take a moment to ponder, maybe even thank God for what he's done for you. When's the last time you thanked him for Jesus? Jesus, we thank you for your gift, a very real life that walk through all the pain and problems of this world, left the comfort of heaven to be born in the calamity of the earth, 
You experienced everything we could experience, and yet you were victorious completely. And yet that very real life was sacrificed on that Good Friday on Calvary's cross, once and for all, for our sins, our shame, and our yesterday, so we could have a future in the family of God, a future forever at home in the love of God. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. You can receive the bread. Jesus poured the cup of wine and said, this is like my blood that will be spilled out to pay the ransom for your life. It's a great reminder. It's not just an invitation to a meal with Jesus. It's an opportunity to receive him completely and fully in every area of your life. It's also an invitation as we receive him in that we become this family of faith, bigger than just a local church. We're in the family of God. And in God's family, there's a family business. Just like Jesus came to seek and save the lost, so do we. Whatever your job, career, whatever your place of influence is, I'm gonna encourage you to leverage it for what matters the most, the salvation of mankind. Because there's more in you and more for you than you might know. Jesus, we thank you for your precious gift. It was poured out for us so we could live in overflow. Overflowing in your goodness, overflowing in your grace. Lord, I believe, and I'm just going to say this by faith, as some people receive this, there's going to be a physical change in their body. There'll be healing and restoration. There'll be a peace in their mind that surpasses understanding. There's going to be the answer that they need from you. But more than anything, God, I thank you that as we receive this, we would hear your voice, who you've called us to be and what you've called us to do. Jesus, we thank you for your life. In response to you pouring it out for us, we pour out for you. You may receive the cup. We're going to stay linked up together as a church family. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you're watching right now and Jesus isn't first in your life, I want to bring you out of the middle ground and into what you were meant for. You were meant and created by God to know God, experience his love, experience his peace, and to receive the beautiful gift of salvation. You could not earn it. It's too costly. You did not deserve it. No one can be that good. But it is yours by faith, by saying yes to the God that has already said yes to you. We love him because he first loved us. At both locations, can we just bow our head and close our eyes if you're here and you need to give your heart to Jesus. You need to receive the gift of salvation. Don't miss this moment. Maybe been walking a little bit in the middle ground, kind of half in, half out. Now it's time to put both feet on the solid rock of salvation. It says, I'm all in for the one who's all in for me. Or maybe there's been some places of your life where he hasn't been king. And you want to say, Jesus, I'm going to, Lift up my hand as a life surrendered completely over to you. You are Lord of every area of my life. With no one looking around, I'm not going to make you come up front. You're not signing up for church today. You're just saying yes to the greatest gift of all. On the plaza, online, or north. If you need to give your heart to Jesus or come back home, then can you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Kyle, that's me. Include me in this prayer, sir. I see your hand. I see your hand, dear. I'm proud of you. It's three of you. It's four of you. It's awesome. It's awesome. Those on the plaza, those online, let us know that you're making this decision. Can we all pray together as one big family of faith and then we're gonna worship. Say this with me. Thank you, God. You did not hold back. 
Jesus, you went all in. Jesus, you went all in. You came after me. You came after me. When I was far from you, when I was far from you, you came close. You came close. Your presence is here. Your presence is here. In your presence, in your presence, is the fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. I give you my heart right now. I give you my heart. Right I'm not going back to who I used to be. I'm not going back to. Who I used I'm leaning into you. I'm leaning into you. I believe you saved me. I believe you love me. I give you my whole heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate everyone who made that decision? Come on.